So this year, 2017, uh, marked the 500th year since the Protestant Reformation started. And among the things that Martin Luther, who initiated this with his 95 Thesis, amongst the things that he taught was a doctrine called the priesthood of all believers. Uh, in comparison to some of the other teaching in the Protestant Reformation, this one is, is easily neglected or forgotten, but it's, it's really important. And in fact, uh, a couple of years ago, or just shy of a couple of years ago, I was being evaluated as a church planter. I was being interviewed, and I had no idea any of the questions they were asking me. And the interview closed with, uh, I think it was supposed to meet, it's supposed to be a fun question just to kind of get to know me, but uh, they said, what's your favorite doctrine or what's your favorite teaching? And I'd never really thought about like picking out one, uh, but the one that came to mind was this, the, the priesthood of all believers. And just because it was a unique question I, and because I, I don't, I, it's, that question has stuck with me. In the last couple of years, I've found myself asking, is that, st- is that really true? Like, is that still my answer? And uh, as much as I've thought about it, I'd, I'd say, yeah, like that is still my favorite. If I had to choose one, that is compelling to me. And I think part of the reason that I choose that one is, uh, I don't know why this was the case, but growing up, I just had this, I had this distinction in my mind that there, there's missionaries and there's like pastors and church staff. And then there's the rest of us who are ordinary Christians, um, if, if that makes sense. There's, there's this there's this divide, there's this distinction. And I thought, you know, like, my job as an ordinary Christian was come to church, it was give to the church, and bring my friends to church. And, and maybe for you, like, it, it's a different set of parameters, but, you know, like, th- there's, there's what they do, and then there's what we do. Uh, there's this distinction between spiritual leaders and the rest of us. And uh, Martin Luther, when he referred to the priesthood of believers, um, he was talking exactly to that type of distinction, that type of divide. Uh, and there were different factors for why that divide was the case in his day. But th- the divide is still, I think, present in many mindsets today, both in and outside of the church. And when he referred to the priesthood of believers, what he was saying was, as a Christian, if you're a milkmaid or a plowboy, if you're an engineer or a stay-at-home mom, if you're retired or if you're working 70 hours a week, in ministry, or if you're living overseas and like you can't really step away from your ministry like the Elliots, he's saying that all of that is priestly work. He's saying all of that work is spiritual. And he's saying, you know, if you have this distinction where you got this threefold ministry of coming to church, giving to the church, and bringing other friends to the church, if, if that's your Christian experience, or if that kind of describes it, you're missing out. You're missing out because essentially, like practically, you're outsourcing the ministry that God's given you. You're, you have a mindset of, ah, I'm, I'm going to outsource it to the, to the professionals, to other people. I'll be, I'll be a supporting role, but I don't really have an active uh, role to play in the lives of these people around me. And, and, and Luther just, uh, he used the Bible to to say this, this simply isn't the way that God's established it. And, and I'm not saying that spiritual leadership isn't important or that we're all, uh, you know, like equal in, in a spiritual leader. Like the Bible clearly says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. So we don't all have equal authority, but 
but we all are priests. We're all called to be involved in ministry. And that's what we're getting at today with the priesthood of believers. Um, it's been misunderstood by even our uh, ancestors in the faith, the Baptists. They, they've individualized it historically. Like 19, sorry, I'm a history buff, so just bear with me a little bit longer. The 19th and 20th century, they, they, it, it, the priesthood of believers became the priesthood of the believer. Do you see the distinction? One is singular, one is plural. So, so they, they, they talked about the believer because we all have direct access to God through Jesus. That's true. But what the Bible teaches about our priesthood is that it's always a communal thing. It's, it's us. So what Luther was really getting at was that we do this alongside of each other, together with each other, and that this communal service, this communal priestly service, that's what propels us into the world to serve and bear witness to Jesus in the midst of a dark and lost world. So it's the priesthood of all believers, meaning this, this implies that in order for it to be like as effective as possible, we've, we've all got to throw in, we've all got to carry all our weight, we've all got to be faithful. So uh, if, if, I, if, I'm, if you're not tracking with me yet, if I've kind of lost you, I, I just want to give a really simple definition of what I mean by the priesthood of all believers. If, if you belong to Jesus... God has chosen you in community to serve him with all of your life. And, and it rejects uh, hyper-religiosity where uh, being super involved in church activities and neglecting our families or neglecting other work, is, is, uh, that's, that's okay. It rejects that. It also rejects an overcommitment to work or an overcommitment to the family so that we don't value our spiritual family. So... That, that's kind of what I'm talking about with the priesthood of believers, that we're all together chosen by God to serve him with, with all of our lives. And, and I think it's also helpful, we need to ask the question, well, what is a priest? Because there's these Old Testament priests who sacrifice animals, and then today most people think of a priest as the guy with the funny collar and the Catholic priest. Um, a, a priest is simply someone who serves God and serves people. And if you tie in the Old Testament picture of making sacrifices, which is what the priests did, they make sacrifices, not just for the sake of making sacrifices, but to bring blessing. So they, they would make these animal sacrifices in order to bring the blessing of atonement, the blessing of forgiveness. So, so what I'm saying is God's calling us to make sacrifices in order to bring blessing. And that's true whether you're a pastor, a parent, someone who's single, um, and even if you're not a believer and you're here today, I'd say, look at your life. The things that you're spending your life for is what you're sacrificing for. And the things that you're striving to give or to get, that's what you call blessing. This is the way that God's made the world. We sacrifice in order to bless. And this is not just, we talked about the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago. This teaching is a lot older than that. It's as old as, Scripture itself, because that's where it originates. At the very, or near the beginning, and I'd, I'd even make the case in the very beginning, but in Exodus 19, we see this explicitly taught. God had just rescued, so here's, I'm going to give you a quick overview of how this teaching is in the Bible. Exodus 19, God had just rescued his people out of Egypt, and they were in the Sinai, the, the, the Sinai wilderness, 
And uh, God called Moses up to the mountain and he said to Moses, here's what I want you to tell my people. He said to Moses, tell my people this. You've seen all that I've done to the Egyptians, right? They're drowned in the Red Sea. And how I bore you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now, if you'll obey my voice and keep my covenant, you'll be my own possession, my own possession among all the peoples. God's saying, all the earth is mine, but you'll be my special possession. And you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Just earmark that in in your mind, okay? You'll be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Those are the words that I want you, Moses, to tell to all of Israel. And now let's go to Revelation. Um, And this is a quick overview, but Revelation chapter 1, John is opening his letter to the seven churches, and he's giving a word of praise to God. And then he says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and, verse 6, has made us to be a kingdom, priests, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So, both near the beginning and at the very end, we see this theme of God's people being made to be priests. And so today I just want to look at the question, what does our priesthood entail? If we are indeed called to be priests, what, what does it look like? Like, give us, give us a description. So here's three descriptions from our passage will be 1 Peter 2, uh, 4 through 10. And uh, it'll be on the screen. I, I always encourage you to read your Bible because the screen will change and your Bible page won't unless you, you know, drop it or flip the page. But uh, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10 is our passage and I'll read it. Uh, if you follow along on the screen, the the translation I used has small caps for all of the Old Testament references. So if you're wondering, why is that in caps? Uh, it's referencing an Old Testament verse. So First Peter 2, 4 through 10, Peter writes, And coming to him, he's talking about Jesus, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, that became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, for you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. So again, the question that I want us to wrestle with and kind of come away with a picture of is, what does our priesthood entail? What does it look like to be a a kingly, a royal priesthood together? And and the first description, I think, is, is clear that Jesus is the foundation of our priesthood together. 
And we see this in verses 5 through 8. Jesus is the cornerstone. And, and you can see on this next slide, there's a picture of what a cornerstone is. It's the stone that's right at the corner of a foundation. It's a very important piece of the foundation. And I think the, the big picture of what Peter was getting at here is Jesus is the foundation for our identity, but also out of that identity, what we do, like this ministry that we carry out together. He's the one our service is built on. And that might sound kind of, you know, nice in theory, but when we get right down to it, I know for myself, uh, there's a lot of reasons why I don't want to do stuff. <laughs> uh, a lot of reasons why I, don't, I, I might not move towards something. And so uh, when we're thinking about us carrying our, our, our role, being faithful a, as a royal priesthood together, uh, there's all sorts of reasons why we might not want to serve because, frankly, I'd rather be served than to serve. Or you might be like, I've never done this before, so I'm afraid I won't do it well. Or you might be like, I I'm so messed up that I don't want to serve other people on behalf of God because I'm just going to be a huge misrepresentation of, of who God is. Or you might be like, I'm kind of new. I don't really know enough. Like, uh, I've never read any of those Old Testament passages that you've talked about, like with priests. I, I don't know. I don't know. So I, I don't want to, you know, like get involved in, in that. But uh, the, the biblical picture is that Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation. And so it's not about you or what you bring to the table or what I bring to the table. So what that means is with Jesus, you actually can, you actually can do this. You can live out of this identity of a royal priesthood. And, and the great apostle Paul, who planted and supported uh, so many churches and, and, and wrote much of the New Testament, he asked this question in 2 Corinthians. He said, who is adequate? For these things. And what he was really asking is, who's adequate to, to carry out this ministry? Like, who's up to that task? And then he answers that question a few verses later when he says, this is our confidence that we have through Christ toward God. We're not adequate in ourselves. Paul's talking about himself as well. We're not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. Our adequacy is from, adequacy is from God who has made us adequate. You see that? Jesus is the foundation for the service that both in our work and in our home and in our personal lives, the service that we're, that we're giving, it, it's, it can be founded, it should be founded on Jesus and not on, what we, not on what you bring to the table. So in Christ, you can do this. You can make disciples who make disciples. And I'm not saying it'll be pretty. I'm not saying it'll be clean. I think it'll be quite messy at times. But you, you can do it in, in Christ. And, and as I thought about priesthood in the Bible, you don't really find a, a lot about the priest themselves. You find a lot about the high priest, who's like, it's also called the chief priest. Um, and, and that's Jesus, just to give you like an overview Jesus is, is the one that all the Old Testament high priests pointed towards. And then all the other priests, they basically did their job under the boss man, under the great high priest. And so when I hear and when I see this idea of us being as a people, a royal priesthood, we all operate not under the pastor, but under the great high priest, under Jesus. He's the one who continually intercedes for us. Um, 
He, he's the one, the, he's the authority that we all answer to. And so the first, the first description is that Jesus is the foundation for our priesthood. And on that foundation, here's the second description. We're being built together. So verse five says uh, that you all, that, that's a plural you, y'all also as living stones, like Jesus is the living stone, you all are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. And so if you're like, okay, I believe in Jesus, but I have absolutely no idea how to take the next step. Um, or you're like, yeah, I've, I've followed Jesus, but right now I'm at a point in my life, I don't know how to take the next step. I don't know what the next step is in my priestly service, uh, in, my, in my royal priest, you know, priesthood, like participating in this uh, ministry that God's given me. I, I don't know. Um, or if you're like, I, I know what it is, but man, I'm struggling. I, I, need, I, I, I need the encouragement to keep going. Uh, here's how we do it. We do it together. The, the Bible is very clear that you are not called to live a faithful life alone. There was a time uh, that Rich told me that basically the Elliots, they were alone for a time. And they did not like it. <laughs> and that's a good thing that they didn't like it. Because for as... Uh, heroic as it might sound to us, like there's a family overseas battling for the gospel. Um, you know, they're, they're all by themselves. That, that's not the way that God's intended for us to serve. We're intended to do this together. So the good news for this is you don't have to find someone who, if you're like just out of college, you don't have to find someone who's just out of college to help you walk with Jesus. Or if you're a grandparent, you don't have to find other grandparents. Like, I think it's awesome. I'm not, I'm not diminishing the value of having people your age. But the picture that I see in Scripture is uh, we're all being built together. There, there's no divide of Jew and Gentile. It, we're all being built together into this royal priesthood, this spiritual house to offer up sacrifices to God. So what that means is if, if you're single, um, uh, you can you can partner with and bless and help uh, parents, right? And uh, if you're, if you're uh, an educator, you can partner with and help engineers. And if you're old or young, you can partner together. I mean, uh, it's crazy to me, but some of my best friends are my parents' age. Some of my best friends. Uh, and, and one of my mentors is in education, um, I never would have thought, but this is the way that the kingdom of God works. Uh, it's not so much about what we do. It's, it's the, the common thread of sacrificing self to serve others. It, 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 it spans the diversity of what our jobs are or what our life stage is. It's, it's why we live. It's how we live. And, and we're doing that together. So it got me thinking, you know, like just as a church, I'd love it. I, it'd, be, it'd be so cool if this place was packed out every week. But, but according to this picture, like we could do that. <laughs> we could have multiple services. And I'm, I mean, I'm not opposed to that, but we could do that and still be a huge failure. Like if we don't know each other, if we don't invest in each other's lives. And, and I'm, this isn't, this is, don't take this as a, a rebuke or a correction. I think, I think we are doing a good job of investing and loving each other. But I just want to keep 
first thing first. It's, it's make disciples who make disciples. It's not gather large groups of people together and feel good and walk away, you know, feeling good and, and come back next week to, to feel good. No, it's, I want to equip. I want to equip you to make disciples who make disciples. And uh, some people might think, I, there was a time in my life that I thought, okay, pastor, uh, you want me to do your job. I see how it is. I see. I see. Oh, man. No. Uh, I want Ephesians. I, I see my job description as Ephesians 4.11. God gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Here's why. For the equipping of the saints. Now, if you come from a, a Catholic background, it's not those saints, it's, it's us as saints. It's the, the holy ones of God, the saints. Anyone who's a believer is a saint. For, and, and, sorry, to equip God's people for the, works, for, for the work of service. That's, that's ministry, okay? That ministry is service to the building up of the body of Christ. There is no distinction of like, well, these people are the ones that Jesus was really talking about when he said, make disciples of all nations. And then there's the rest of us, right? There is no super Christian and ordinary Christian. Our priesthood, our priesthood is carried out together. And so I want to see you equipped. Our small group leaders want to see you equipped in order to be successful, growing in relationship with God, growing in relationship with others and that just takes time. That just takes effort. That takes other people. Uh, it's not going to be clean or easy. But I just got to say, we've been, we just finished Advent, you know, which is celebrating Christmas, but it's also celebrating like the arrival of Christ and the second arrival. And so when we think about taking on this hard and difficult growth, uh, it's going to be worth it because Christ is going to come back. And so our, our last description of our priesthood, uh, it, it's to offer sacrifices of blessing. So we value Jesus supremely as the foundation. And on that foundation of Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, we're being built together as a community at, in relationships. And we're doing that for a purpose. It's to offer sacrifices of blessing. We see this in verse 5, the second part. You're being built up to offer spiritual sacrifices. Sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus. So, uh, what might a spiritual sacrifice look like? Um, the Hebrews 13, 15 answers that question. It says, through him, through Jesus, let's continually offer up, here's, here's the word again, a sacrifice of praise to God. That, that is, here, here's the description, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So saying things, words are part of a spiritual sacrifice. And the other one is doing things, uh, works. It, it, it says in verse 16, don't neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So sharing words of encouragement with your friends, your family, uh, your small group. It's, it's not just like, Jake's small group, it's not just Ben's, it's, it's also, if you're a part of a small, it's your small group. So getting time with people, whether it's unbelieving friends, believing friends, you can get lunch with them, you can take them along with you. If you're uh, 
you know, taking your kids to the zoo, which, man, it would be terrible weather to do. Uh, but I know some families who, like, they take their kids to the zoo and they invite other people along with them. Uh, or if you work out, invite someone along with you. Or if you know, hey, Jordan's interested in something, and I'm not really interested in that at all, but I'm interested in pursuing a relationship with Jordan, I'll go do what Jordan likes, you know, in order to pursue them. It's doing and it's being together. Uh, it's, it's living out the commitment that we reminded ourselves of this morning to love the kids that God's brought here. Because these kids, I mean, more than we know, they're already looking at all of us uh, and they're just watching us. Anna Rundell was watching me yawn two months ago on a Sunday morning. She watched me yawn. She still yawns like Ben yawns. Todd will say, Anna, yawn like Ben. And she remembers my yawn. And so I, I want to impart a lot more than just a yawn, you know. But if she's watching the yawn, you better believe she's watching other things too. And all of this, all these, uh, all of this sacrifice, because that's what relationship takes, all of this sacrifice, we should keep in mind what Jesus has intended. What's best for us is not just that we enjoy each other, but that as we grow in our relationships, we're moving towards being missional, towards making disciples. And we're willing, we're willing to even say, okay, this is a good relationship, but if God is calling this person elsewhere for the sake of the gospel, like calling it to move overseas, then, I mean, we mourn the loss, but man, we rejoice because our relationships don't exist for us. I know my goal as a parent is not that Wyatt always would depend on me, but that we would wean him off of dependence on me and hopefully encourage him to depend on Christ so that he can go and live faithfully. So, so I guess all that to say, what spiritual sacrifices look like is declaring and displaying. It's showing and telling. It's just like kindergarten, show and tell that which you value. Show and tell. And, and what we're showing and telling is this new identity that God has given us in Christ, that we are a royal priesthood, that once we were not a people, but now we are a people of God. So if, if you're here today and uh, you know, you, you're not sure where you stand with God, I just want to invite you to embrace that new identity because it, like I said earlier, it doesn't depend on you. It, it, you can never earn God's love, but he's freely offered it. He'll freely give it to you in Christ, if you just choose to trust him with your life. So if, if you want to make that decision, you can talk to me. J just tell God, and I'd encourage you to tell someone else because we're meant to live this life together. Um, and then kind of in parting, like kind of a last shot is, I just want to remind us, like, as a church, I think we're doing well. But what success looks like is not necessarily a big church, not necessarily... I don't have any goals like send out so many missionaries in so many amount of years or have so many people attending the service. It's, it's cherish Jesus um, and, and, and live lives that reflect that increasingly. It's, it's train. It's be, being trained ourselves and training others. And all of this, it, it, it originates, it, it comes from and it's sustained by our relationship with God. And so I just want to emphasize again, I think 
you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. And I just want to say you can, God can make a disciple through your life. Um, And so as we move from one year to the next in the calendar, I just want to remind and encourage you that if you're a part, like this is the, this is the community aspect of it again. If you're a part of who we are today, you're also shaping who we'll be tomorrow. And not just orchard, like wherever God has you, wherever you are, whatever uh, church family you're a part of, if you're a part of who we are today, you're also shaping who we will be tomorrow. So this is my favorite doctrine because in it, the gospel is applied to us. If you get into ministry and you start, well, if you get into ministry, you'll start messing up (laughs) and you'll start seeing your need for Jesus and how Jesus is your priest, how he intercedes and has interceded on your behalf before God. And then the gospel not only will be applied to you, but it'll be amplified through you and through the people that you do life with. So I just want to encourage you, don't sell yourself short. Don't miss out. I really do believe that God wants you to experience him more and more deeply each passing year, each passing day. And a big way that we experience him is by serving in community, by, by living out this calling to be a royal priesthood. So let's, let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you um, for loving us, for freeing us by your blood, and for making us to be a kingdom and priests. There's no degree required. You, when, you, when you purchased us, you made us a kingdom of priests to serve you. And so I pray that we would continue to embrace that identity that you've given us, that once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. And would you empower each one of us to um, embrace this so that together we would show and tell how great you are uh, to each other (laughs) and to the world around us. Uh, Please continue to speak to us as we continue to worship you.